Welcome, welcome to the Cult of the Collective Commentary. Featuring Dave A.C. The Sixth Doctor. Randall Thor. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Shh, I think I heard somebody coming. Oh, it's just Dave AC. Is that a proton pack on your back, or are you just pleased to see me? Well, I don't know about that, but um, when you said boo, I nearly spilt my tea out of Clara's mug. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a bit cold here. I've uh, I've only just taken off my duffel coat because it's uh, been really nippy. Mike was here a minute ago, but he vanished into thin air. Uh, he said something about hearing somebody say, help me. So it's probably off to help them. I don't know. Well, it's been a bit of an apparition recently. Now you see him, now you don't. <laughs> all right. Yes, if there weren't, <laughs> weren't enough clues and all that, all those shenanigans, should I say. Uh, we're going to be talking all over the top of the latest Doctor Who episode, Hyde. Which is very appropriate, really, since I'm based in Hyde. I didn't know you were going to say that. Look, fi- fire up the quattro. <laughs> what show are we doing now? <laughs> I've lost the plot, but I think I'll find it as soon as we hit play. Yes, so if you have your official BBC copy of this episode of Doctor Who, hide at the ready. Uh, Dave, are you ready? Indeed. All right, let me count everybody in. In five, four, three, two, one, play. Is there anybody there? Look out for a headless horseman. I'm off into the sea one. <laughs> yeah, I ran into the headless horseman the other day. He never saw it coming. Huh. <laughs> real to real tape recorder, brilliant. The man who would be Wolverine. Sorry. <laughs> there was a uh, uh, way, 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 way back in the midst of time when they were talking about doing an X-Men movie. Uh, I think he was... Uh, at least the fan favourite for being Wolverine, Dougray Scott. Is it Dougray or Dougray? Dougray. Uh, oh, no, is it Dougray Scott? Because last time we saw him was in uh, Day of the Triffids, wasn't it? With yes. um, our comedian friend. Yes, Eddie Hazard. He was good in that, actually. I liked him in that. Yeah. Come in, come in. Oh, he's podcasting. you have your official BBC copy of oh wait sorry <laughs> oh she's a wine drinker as well quite a looker actually yes well, I'm not quite sure to do, what to do about cast, cast tonight because it's a very very small cast Yeah, I was just reading it. In um, Dave Triffids, he was with the, it was Jolie Richardson and Vanessa Redgrave and Brian Cox. Shut That's up, Vanessa cast. Redgrave. Sorry. Oh. 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 Show me the way to go home. Oh. Sorry. I'm sorry, I don't oh. want to go. Oh. Some of the imagery in this is just fantastic, you know. It wasn't Gwyneth, that, was it, from... Uh... You know, Gwen's ancestor, eh? No. 
There's oh. somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. Hey, it's supposed to be creepy, this. Keep him in the mood. <laughs> Did he knock four times? Oh, only three. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey. She, she wears a lot of red, have you noticed? They always have get red yeah, they always to have red on her. Yeah. Wow. I keep meaning to go back and compare this to the uh, Christmas special. I keep forgetting. Because I know Jeff says it's different, but I haven't figured out how to... I still I love that. The music. I thought it was the music. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, right. <laughs> I like that. It's a better better take on that gag, if you like. <laughs> yeah. And here's a bit of a bit of tenant, I think, that he's he's really kind of um channeling, you know, that the, the whole excited oh look at this, it's great, mm. you know. This probably be like the I think this is like the third or fourth time I've seen this now. Which yeah, is strange for me. The weeping angel behind him there. <laughs> I was wondering about one of the other rooms too. There's a whole bunch of... I like this whole uh, inference here. And... Mm. And, and, and was, ah, the yeah, assistant. You know, yeah. This, you know, the doctor's assistant. <clears throat> uh, back to that. No, that's going back to the third doctor, isn't it? Yeah. And Liz Shaw. Yeah. Well, uh, was it 1974 was... Uh, 1973, 1974 was when uh, uh, Planet of the Spiders was uh, on, I believe. Unless you're in New Zealand, which is a little later. (laughs) That reminds me of Tony Ankirk and the Radio Ham. Oh, it's a DB75 stroke 4 radio valve, you know. Toggle, sorry. I, I did like that little bit before where he was he he uh, was saying something and then he and then he said oh that means she's psychic or whatever like that. She goes got that bless you though. I was like she's just like transmundane emanations. No. What I don't understand is there's electricity in that room. But so many other rooms aren't lit. Well, no, no, that's that, that because the big house like that, you just couldn't afford to heat it, light right. it. Uh, the one wing may be decrepit. The other reason they may have had the candles there because in previous experiments the the lights have failed at the True. critical moment. I love this whole bit. Mm. This this is fantastic. Just get the dust in. <laughs> Goodbye, that. Yeah. And this is her first outing as a comment. Not our first scene right. of her, but this is the first one she actually filmed. Right, right. Uh, and the, the only reason why we guess that um, is because uh, the first uh, proper uh, photos we saw, of, uh, the two yeah. of them in costume, uh, were on the arches that you'll actually see later on in the episode, towards the end of the episode. Um, and so... And of course, the, the outfit that we were yeah. a- analyzing, thinking that she was from uh, 
another time zone. And there's the doctor being inappropriate. Mm. <laughs> Drinking somebody's milk out of the bottle, nonetheless. Yeah, I kids get told don't off for do that. that. Yeah. I can't drink out of the bottle. Mm. <laughs> I think these two are made for each other, I tell you. Anyway, little, little, little uh, Dugray Scott. Uh, the, the interesting thing is uh, one of the things that came up about this is uh, is the age of uh, the character as opposed to the actor. Of course, the actor's uh, forty seven. Um, so there's been a lot of people talk about the mid of December, you know, uh, relationship going on here. Uh, but yes, uh, he was, uh, of course, uh, born in Fife. Uh, went to the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama in Cardiff, where he was awarded the Most Promising Drama Student Award in 1987. I remember that year. <laughs> His early career saw him take roles in series like uh, Stay Lucky, Soldier Soldier, and the film Deep Impact, with breakthrough roles in Ever After and Enigma. Oh, Enigma. He was great Enigma, which again, he was playing a, cryptogra a cryptographist in that. Good film that if you haven't seen it, two thousand and one. And the actor was, as I was saying before, was uh, a close run up for two major film franchises. First up as Wolverine and X Men, uh, but more publicly as almost becoming James Bond. He was just beaten by uh, Daniel Craig. And of course, as Dave mentioned, uh, uh, we most recently saw him as. Uh, the lead character Bill Mason in the BBC remake of Day of the Triffids. And back to the action. <laughs> yeah, Day of the Triffids was 2009, I think that came out. Yeah. That That's dead scary, that picture. I don't care what you say. That's mm. uh, oh. it's dead scary work on that. The other thing about that shadow that passed, which may be effectively, it seemed to be an upright figure walking past. Right. I think I need a drink to steady my nerves, and I shall drink some of my Rigel Original Malbec 2012 from France. Did <laughs> they spilt it again? Yeah, that picture. <laughs> and uh, I'm having a touch of the Cooper's Art. The Cooper's Art uh, 2011 Pinot Noir uh, Monterey. It's a Naked Wines wine, of course. And it's growing on me. Mm. Got a lot of expression in the face, isn't she? Oh, I mean, look at that—that that little. Mm, yeah. Dare me. Well, she's making up her mind, you know. So, hmm. I think we better have a time check already. It's uh, nine minutes and fourteen seconds. Oh, oh. Mm. If I liberate, she playing them out of here. <laughs> As I said, there's there's some really decent scoop, not spooky imagery. They must have had a, an actual house for this. This this obviously, uh, this doesn't seem to be a set. Well, looking at that corridor, you know what it reminded me? It reminded me of a third Doctor story where he goes to this. Uh, <laughs> hey, Carlisle. Uh, yeah, it reminded me of the third Doctor story where uh, he's in there and they're surrounded by I think it's the Ogrons and the the Daleks and the, uh, you know, he's drinking wine and he's saying, oh, a very posh little wine. And 
Oh, it's dead creepy. Sorry. Uh, that's <laughs> mod- modern English kitchen there. It's a little more up to date than yours, isn't it, Dave? A little bit. I mean, they've done done some very nice work with this. I mean, I uh, wasn't expecting to be quite so creepy in in some regards. It's like, you know. Gosh, we even had a painting like that. That old seaman with his bike. We used to have one of those. Like, no, we're not going down that road again. We're talking about seamen. Uh, we had all those submarine jokes last week. Yeah, I mean that that was that was the thing about the the time. I mean, um, there was some consideration on the on the main show we did that if this had been set in 1964, mm. it may be more realistic to his backstory. Right. Yeah. I didn't notice that before. The, their their hands. Yeah. Uh, she she kind of, you know, yeah. tiptoes her fingers across the, you know, the desk towards him. He's got a wonderful understated approach, which Absolutely. I like. It's kind of, he downplays everything and it's quite quiet. And Yeah, it's not but, him playing a role, he's inhabiting the role. Yeah. Got <laughs> <laughs> some very good sound effects on this, really. That's the chat. I, I don't know who's writing her words, but I mean, Neil Cross is writing the script. Yeah. Um, where these words are coming from, I don't know. Oh, I just love that dress. Oh, sorry. You almost feel as though she's having some input into yeah, her expressions. It, it's just something different about her. I don't know whether it's her as an actress or what, but there's just so much life in her. Hmm. Look at all them <laughs> weeping angels back there. Yeah, uh, I, I should is, just is say... He, is it waltzing? <laughs> one of the things it may well be as well is that, you know, the writers now, although Neil Cross has not written a lot for it, the writers have have got a handle on Matt Smith's Doctor now. So hmm. I, I, I realise we're talking about the writing for her, but it all interplays. Right. And of course, this is Neil Cross's uh, second script. So it's it's... I think it's interesting how what what's going on here, and um, for those of you who haven't listened to the the collective close readers now, um, this is Darth's third in a row that he likes, as, as well as mine. Um, and I mean, I'm not a huge follower of Neil Cross. I've only watched Luther, but he's very good at developing characters, and I wonder if that's why he's here. Well, yeah, think about Anne Luther, the, uh, again, without giving the plot away, that, that young girl that he helps out who's in difficulties, you know, he, he rescues. Right. She, she's got a very sort of very naturalistic way of speaking. So the words, I'm not saying it's street talk, right. but it's it's reality talk, if you know what I mean. It's very a very comfortable method of speech. Not that it's yeah. a particular way of speaking. It's just it seems to fit them. Uh, it, it it sits well on them the way they're speaking. You, know. <laughs> you make it. 
to me, it's 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 stupid. I know, but they to me they seem like Doctor and Companion. We finally have Doctor and Companion, and I don't, I haven't really. I mean, yes, I was a big fan of um, uh, of uh, Ten and and, and mm-hmm. Donna. Now, but there was a different com- relationship in itself. This to me seems like classic Doctor and Companion work, you know. Right. Well, I think I should jump in there. Did that that circle come up from the area where the chalk circle was? Yeah, that that's... was one of the debates we had. Yeah, it's, it's the same size and happens so quickly. Yeah, that may explain it, uh, but you know. Of course, we were wondering why it's on the wall, but especially after the, the portal is closed or whatever. But it's just an impression left, I guess, from her thought. I mean, we're talking about, you know, uh, mental abilities. So, uh, you know, and the portal just closed there, actually. The, yeah. The, you know, one of the other physical manifestations of it. So you could say that the link was open the whole time. But as we know, there's well, uh, there's another explanation for that writing that will reveal itself. Oh. Oh, I've gone off for now. I've gone off for now. <laughs> and what the ten most disgusting in? Yeah. <laughs> Are you on that list? Probably. Yes, uh, younger people, these are what's called actual prints of photograph, where you go in a dark room and you actually have to develop your prints. I uh, wait a week while they come back from the printers. Yep. Nothing digital about these. <laughs> oh, I actually, yeah, my uh, my uncle, my uncle Terry, um, he used to, uh, he's passed now, but uh, he used to, um, an avid photographer, and he had his own dark room. Uh, he'd set up, uh, you know, he'd tape off all the windows with tarp and stuff like that, and he'd, uh, he'd do all his own developing. It was great, and he actually taught me well, he had me take some photos and, and we developed them together and, and it was really great. Yeah, because you needed to use the red light so it wouldn't affect the uh, developing process. Right. The funny thing is nowadays, though, is you've got things like Instagram and that where you, you know, we've finally got digital photography where everything's crystal clear and perfect. And we've got things like Instagram where you can make it look oh, sepia and, and it looks like it's on a negative. And stuff. Don't start me off about that. I had a real thing with my daughter about 10 years ago. Um, when CDs came out, you got crystal clear sound. And then she's in the car, insisted on playing a Oasis thing. And I said, these tracks sound muddy. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, they got into all these where you can have about 16 different tracks. You can hear the symbols of it. And com- over, you know, compression, what's it called? Percussion. You know, percussion over here and this and the other. And then they go and make it muddy as though it was, you know, recorded in the cavern <laughs> with four instruments. <laughs> She said, well, that's what they're trying to achieve, you know. We had a call back to the, the, the chin there. Sorry, I didn't mean to. All right. <laughs> call back to the chin. Where's the nose? Yes. Lost in time. And uh, while we're going through a quiet moment here, um, talk about uh, the woman playing Emma Grayling. Uh, it's being played by Jessica Rain, um, who will be familiar to my wife by now, who's... Uh, almost uh, finished with season one of uh, Call the Midwife. Uh, but she's also been in 
the roles, uh, including the nanny in The Woman in Black and uh, Princess Isabel in Robin Hood. And we will be seeing her coming up this year in another Doctor Who related uh, show. Uh, she will be in the, um, the drama An Adventure in Time and uh, in Space and Time as Verity Lambert. That's brilliant, that. Yeah. And just look at how old she is. She's 31. Well, that's it. Uh, and I noticed that she's actually won, because I said I'm in Hyde, but Hyde is part of Manchester. She's won the Manchester Evening Awards, the New Theatre Award. Mm. And that's the, the, the bag she wears does have red on it, too. Um, her satchel or yeah. purse or whatever. A school bag. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that he had to come back and open the door. What happened to the hat rack? Uh, that must be coming back for the 50th. Mm. There's an odd thing going around at the moment that people are talking about the doctor forgetting things, which I don't know. I, I, if you're if you're not looking for spoilers, don't look too hard. Well, don't I've... focus too much on what I just said. It's just something I've noticed in passing. But, yeah. Is it fish? No, <laughs> they look like fish on the, on the screen. Oh. We're going always. It's looking a little bit more established, this TARDIS now. Yeah. I got a feeling that when we first saw it and we, we drew conclusions, it was ha only half built, I think, Ian. Maybe. It looks much more, looks much more there now, doesn't it, if you know what I mean? Right. Very technical term, that, but it looks very much there now. This is dead creepy, this bit. Sorry. Uh, dead, dead creepy. Oh. That was oh. almost a weeping angel pose, wasn't it? Just, just give me chills, I tell you. Oh, hello? Now, we had some problems with this. His astronaut outfit again. He's got to wear this, this, this survival suit because mm. it's so hot, 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 hot out there. Yet he's using a camera from 1974. <laughs> so yeah this this gives me a bit of the um, a time traveller vibe you know mm. you ever seen the time traveller where he, he moves the, the, the ship or his little thingy into different versions of the future time machine you pause mean it. yeah the time machine yeah the George Powell version was the best. It's definitely much more realised, this TARDIS now. Yeah. That's why the lights must have been down so much before. Yeah, I do wonder. And I do like the fact that, you know, we, we have the door, like, right there. Um, and, and, and this seems, it seems more apparent in this, um, now that we've got the little corridor and stuff, that, that it really is in there. I mean, this, I guess this is the first time i've really kind of got that impression that that uh yeah, all that is in there you know look at that she's, she's watched i mean you can't take her eyes off her really when she's right and look at her eyes looking at the screen yeah. like the realization mm. Mm. 
Look at her eyes. I mean, I, oh, sorry. I just really. I yeah. mean, yes, I do find her extremely attractive. But it's more than that. So, I mean, there's. Just watch her face. I mean. She's the character. Yeah. Sorry that we're not talking much on this, but, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a really good bit here. Yeah, and of course, in that, there's a double thing there, because, of course, we and the Doctor know that we've seen other versions of her. Right. She doesn't know that yet. Mm. See, notice, that, notice he put the emphasis on you're not that. Mm. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah. Like, that's one of the things yeah, we were discussing you? on the collective is you are the only mystery we're solving. He's not actually talking about people, but he's actually talking about her. Mm. It's, I mean, because you, when you think about the, the, the doctor's last knowledge, he knows so much, you know, and this now, is the mystery the, he can't figure out, you know. Here's the arch off to the right there, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> you see that? That was a yeah. bit quickness. Oh. It's a picture move. It's just where they had taken the shot from before it was. Yeah. Where I think they were sitting down there before. Uh, Slide projector. Now, kids, back when you wanted to show your photos to everybody all at once, you take your film in and you get it turned into slides. Which it's are transparent. Transparent pieces of, 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 of film, basically, that you shine a light through and it shows up on the wall. Big. Well, which <laughs> they were a modern innovation from the Magic Lantern. Yes. It's probably still going. <laughs> now, where did he find her name? Because we didn't. He did some research. All oh, right. Uh, yeah. uh... I think once he knew what it was, it right? Doesn't really it doesn't really tell you how he figured that out, but you know. And we're just coming up to twenty-five minutes now. Oh, where's my balloon? Oh, oh, I've got a red one here. Will that do? Oh, yeah, there you need the red one. And, uh, uh, and, and, and to misquote Mike, Ian, mm -hmm. universes inside of universes. Science fiction, uh -huh. where will it end? <laughs> yes. Yes. And got to give some credit to uh, uh, being billed as the crooked man in this episode is uh, none other than Aidan Cook. And well, like, why do I say none other than? Uh, we last saw him in uh, the rings of Akhaten as the mummy. Uh, uh, he's also been in, uh, I'll, I'll just really quick go over because I've only got four people to do this week. Uh, Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, uh, Horrid Henry. Forget about the worst night in the land. 
They whack the knife. Metabolis. Get off with you. Metabolis. <laughs> oh, how the fanboys wailed. Now, is that, I was just looking at that front of that building. Was that the one with the Agatha Christie uh, building they used? I don't it's a bit like it. I don't think so. Yeah, when they found her on the steps outside an old building. There was a much. Hmm. Not the inside, not the inside of the building. It could very well be. I mean, we've, you know, it's not uh, unheard of for them to reuse a location. Hmm. It's one thing I don't really have as a location guide for, you know, things. Hmm. Which uh, Mike's usually the one who uh, handles that kind of stuff if, if it's available. And he's, of course, he's nowhere to be seen. I thought I saw him in the corner a minute ago, but it was nothing, I think. Yeah, I, I think this should have definitely been set in the 60s. Their, their way of behaving is more 60s than 70s. Right. I mean, 70s, she would have had a short skirt and he would have been had long hair trying to, you know, rave with his student, if you know what I mean. I, I, I mean, considering who they are as people, um, I don't think so. I mean, especially considering the relationship between the two of them. She is interested in him and him being an older man. She's. Yeah, but in the 70s, the professors might have taken advantage of that. Where in the 60s, the right. early 60s, anyway, that wouldn't the, yet have happened. The other thing is, is I totally got it when they. I'm, I'm oh. like, oh, it looks like it's in the 70s. And then they popped up, it was like, I'm like, oh, okay, there we go then. Now, this is what I didn't understand. That's not the better Beerless crystal. Cause no, it's too, no I mean, it's in the helmet. It's, it's the one in the hat, in the headset. Yes. But that's a completely different size. So it's another crystal from the... Right. Well, the thing on the stand is the subset of the Eye of Harmony. Right. Because she says, what is that? And he says, it's, you know. Yeah. And then he says, and then a gift from, you know, Metabolus, uh, Metabolus 3. And then puts the thing on her head. And um, somebody was asking through all the, the collective, and, and here's all these clocks around there. Because um, I said, about, what about the time difference? Because, you know, apparently, you know, once he moves into there, uh, he's only got like three minutes. So, and but the, the bubble universe is spanning this big time zone. So how do they keep everything synced? And I think this is how something to do with the right. clocks. You know, so, it's also reminded me a bit of, that's a little bit like the outfit that... Um, Martha wore, not Martha, Donna wore in turn left when they had to move her. You remember when she moved from one universe to the other in turn left? They stood in a circle around her and she had a, a pack like that on her to make a jump. You remember when she right. suddenly appeared in the street? Yeah. Uh, reusing props. Well, no, I mean the same te sort of technology. Oh, there it comes again. No, he's just wearing a harness. Well, I know, but it's got that vibe about it oh mm. wind's picked up yeah. he's got my duffel coat on i just noticed <laughs> as i said the uh yeah. the episode of course yeah. is uh is written by Neil Cross, uh, but it's directed by Jamie Payne. Uh, this is Jamie's uh, first episode of uh, of Doctor Who, but we should be familiar familiar with his work from other shows, such as Primeval, 
Uh, ah. He uh, did six episodes of Primeval uh, through series one and series two. Uh, he directed uh, three episodes of the uh, uh, reboot of Survivors, uh, two episodes of Ashes to Ashes, right. two episodes of Outcasts, and, funnily enough, episodes four, five, and six of Call the Midwife. And uh, he's also currently working on Da Vinci's Demons and uh, The White Queen. Mm. So there you go. Although it can't be that much good because he hasn't he hasn't uh, directed uh, an episode of uh, of Casualty. But he does seem mm. to be quite uh, quite steeped in, in in science fiction and fantasy. <laughs> Complete sentence is abandoned. Yeah, there's something there's something wonderful about having the uh, closed captioning. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they talk a little too fast. I'm getting old, I suppose. Yeah. There's something really familiar about her um, uh, astronaut outfit, and I don't know what it is. I've seen it somewhere before, but I don't know where. Yeah. Yeah, not on Red Dwarf, is it? When they met the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the very posh Red Dwarf. No, uh, no they just had robes yeah. on. I think yeah. there's something about the whole ensemble. So. Yeah. Now this is one of the things that Jeff was talking about: the fact that they're there so many minutes. How come you know millions of years haven't passed back on Earth? Right. But of course, he's got that tether tethering the two time zones together one would assume that and there's those clocks there which I, is nobody explains yeah. why they're there but i just wonder if that's something Secret. to do with it yeah. yeah you know chronological control mechanisms i don't know <laughs> i'm making words up now now they're still on this alternate world here aren't they right. this yeah. this confused me the first time well it's 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 a, it's a because the two are overlapping on oh. each other this then becomes a representation of the the overlap just yeah. as she's imprinting on our universe, the house yeah. is imprinting on, you know, which yeah. it would probably explain the help me on the wall was her yeah. probably, you know. And of course, this links in a little bit to, you know, the Metabelis crystal and the, you know, suddenly a bit of unit disappearing and. Yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, there she goes. Yep. No. Well, you weren't who we were expecting. Uh, <laughs> now, well, I saw. Th <laughs> well. There we go. Oops, of course, this reminded me of the um, uh, uh, Star Trek Next Generation one, of course, when Wesley's mother gets caught in a bubble universe. Right. You've seen that one. Yeah. But she doesn't know she's in the bubble universe. She's on the spaceship. That might be spoilers, this, might it? So <laughs> I won't say any more. But um, oh. now, this also is my um, 
Lazarus experiment uh, thing. Oh, come oh yeah. I loved uh, the cloister bell. That's one of the best sounds. I don't know, yeah. Doctor Who, I think, yeah. it's the cloister yeah. bell. There's just something yeah. wonderful about it. I think it was, what was it? We first heard the cloister bell in Legopolis. Or did we hear it? Um, was it the Keeper of Dragon? Or I think it was Legopolis, yeah, because he... I think it was Legopolis Yeah. yeah. I don't think we heard it before. No. There's something just yeah. uh, like I. Mm. It's one of those things. That he doesn't necessarily stand out in this episode, but he's not supposed to. You know. Well, that's it. He's not Ooh. feeling the scene, is he? That's Ooh. the point. You grumpy yeah. old cow. <laughs> I think there's one of uh, Ian's fantasies there straight away. Two cars. <laughs> uh huh. But it's interesting. I do think that there's this, an effort this half of the season now that we've got rid of the ponds um, to really inject some character back into the show. Um, because like I said, we've got Neil Cross um, and also we've got uh, Neil Gaiman returning uh, as well. So um, two people who are very, very good at characters. Mm. Yeah. Now, I wonder about that, Ian, what, this one best represent the crowd. Why would she it pick herself? Oh, uh, it's it's basically, yeah, it, she's a bit yeah, stuck up. Yeah, she's having a go. <laughs> yeah. It basically says that it's somebody you esteem. In other words, you think You're very yourself. highly of yourself, Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I think somebody, was it Darth said it would be nice to have had the young Amelia do that? Yeah. Uh, the, the Kate, um, oh, there she's in. Oh, I love that uh, smile, huh? Now, what's this music straight? Yeah. I, mean, it's, I don't know what I think. I think it's quite appropriate. But there were some issues about Murray Gold's um, choices on this episode, but I think the, I think the, there's so much Foley work as well. That's... Right. Well. Mm -hmm. It's a strange laugh, isn't it? Why would it laugh? It's almost a laugh, isn't it? That right. it's where you would have thought it'd be more of a sadness or a weeping, given the way the, the right. story then pans out. Mm. Mm. Unless that's not the only thing there. Mm. I, I need a drink. All I can say is, uh, from the, the the two episodes of Hillcroft, I want to see him write more in Doctor Who. I'm not oh, gonna go absolutely! All out. I'm not going to yeah. go all out and say, you know, I want him to, you know, take over from Stephen Moffat. No, I'd like him just to write more because he writes very well for at least these two characters. I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And let oh. me briefly mention uh, uh, Kemi Bo Jacobs, who is playing um, Hilla the Korean. Um, 
who's also had parts in, uh, she's relatively new to the acting gig. Um, she's been in Inspector Lewis, uh, two episodes, uh, WPC Julie Lockhart and DC Lockhart. Uh, also, uh, she'll also be known to uh, followers of uh, Minister of Chance. Right. And it should just say, by the way, the AI rating for this was 85. The overnight audience was 5 million, but uh, I don't think the, the total audience uh, is in yet, but it's probably going to be 7.5 million plus, I would have thought. Right. Oh. Yeah, very um, lots of sex moment. But I do have yeah. an explanation whether it fits or not. I'll talk about it later. And there was all that processations that the TARDIS couldn't come in here. Here yeah. it is. So not a it, nice slide, I, of, slide of hand there with the Doctor grabbing onto the TARDIS. Um, we just we, we see it as a as just a blur, and it's quite well done. It's good effect. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> a little high five. A bit of foley work on my part there. Oh, dear. <sighs> Ah, peace is restored. Beautiful house in those parts. Yeah. I also wonder if this was, um, if they used this uh, house in uh, uh, Girl in the Fireplace. It's uh, Tynesfield House. Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Tynesfield House. T-Y-N-T-E-S Field. T-Y-N-T-E-S Fieldhouse. Which I'm assuming is somewhere in South Wales. Interesting we find out why the Doctor has uh, has come here. You know. Again, the Doctor's being quite sneaky this, this, this season. And then there's the amateurs that we were speaking of earlier. I remember the other thing that Ken said when we were talking about the the duffel gunner, it, it gave him a very Quatermass, Quatermass experiment feel right. to the character, uh, Professor Quatermass. Right, um, and I think somebody mentioned that they that that was the original plan. That he was right. to be Professor Quatermass, but they couldn't get, you know, a release for the for the character. Right. Mm. Mm. Again. Mm. Huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> now they do play a bit fast and loose in this. I mean, like in the in the last week's one in the submarine, you know, uh, you can't, you know, time is flexible. And... That's lovely right. that scene there. That that's the wallpaper, I think. Yeah. I'm supposed to ask her out, matey. You're a bit slow, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> the doctor's a matchmaker, I do think. Yep. Yeah. yeah, of course, there's two creatures there now we're seeing. That's coming through. 
Yeah, the master always said you were slow, Doctor. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. The master said, uh, well, the Delgado master called him pedestrian. You're uh. so pedestrian, Doctor. Anyways, you haven't got the imagination to think of the grand schemes. Right. So was he saving humanity? Uh, according to the Doctor oh. Who locations guide, this is the first time they've actually uh, filmed here. Right. And just notice that in the window, very much Vincent and the Doctor, you know, the the window in the church where you see the monster. All right. God, she's gorgeous. Oh, sorry. What? Uh, they're definitely using lots of little homages in this 50th mm. season. Ooh. Oh, yes. She seemed quite comfortable with that. <laughs> Can we do all that again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, reading angry. Oh dear. Yeah, it's almost Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> now, I've got a fear about that. Look at the back of that monster. A fear about that. I should have been. Here we you go think, again. You think he ate the uh, cut rack? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Ba, 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 ba. Next time. Oh. Oh, Red Dwarf. I thought that was him for a minute. Uh. I love this now, dress. Yeah. So cute. Uh-huh. Trap. A trick or a trap. Ooh, the doctor's hiding stuff. <laughs> and of course, it's about three or four minutes longer than last week's episode, I think. Mm. But wow, what a rip rolling ride. Oh, yeah. That one went that went blue by, you know. And again, it's like I, I I really get this feeling of rewatch value with this this half. Um I'm in no hurry to go back and see, you know, the first half of series seven. Uh, but this I'm really I'm really enjoying myself. Um Not uh, everybody had the same reaction though. I think no, no, like no, no, Jeff no. said it's... he enjoyed it first time round, second time round. You know, he started scratching his head a little bit, which right. there were some things unexplained. You, you must admit. Oh yeah. We... But it's it's one of those things. Is um, and and I don't mean uh, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but it's the ability to just basically push those things aside. And some people can't. I understand that. You know, um, we all approach things in 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 different ways. And uh, you know, me, I can. I, I, I tend to I'll notice these things, you know. I'm not I'm not stupid. Oi, oi, But I've got the ability to just go. Oh well, you know. Like I was irritated by uh, Metabolus, you know. That yeah. was just irksome, and and of course then the fanboy and you kicks in and goes, "Was it on purpose?" And by that I don't know. 
I don't know what I mean by by was it on purpose, but that's what some people are saying. Is like, did he do it on purpose? Was it different incarnation pronounces it differently? Yeah, that too. I mean, we've heard. Uh, I'm sure we've heard the, the doctors uh, pronouncing things differently over 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 time. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, our wrap up. Um, I'll go first. <laughs> okay. And then we'll see if uh, there's an apparition in the corner. It might be writing a review. Um, Anyway, uh, Darth basically said everything I want to say on the collective. Um, so if you want to go, you want to hear the long-winded version? Not that he's long-winded, but he's just very concise um, of, of what I thought of the episode. It's mainly encapsulated in what he says. But um, as I've alluded to already, I really like the two of the uh, two of them as a uh, doctor and companion team. It just really kind of fits well. I, I, I think. Eleven has his companion. Um, you know, uh, the sixth doctor had Perry and yeah, you know, Jamie and the second doctor. This is this is the pairing. This is you know the right you know the right fit. Uh, I like that the fact that the this episode it didn't pick up from last week. Um, we just we just bowl on into uh, another adventure. I like the fact that the series now kind of definitely allows gaps in between um i think they've learned a lot since you know the, the wilderness years and um they realize that it's that other all these other things are possible now you know that the doctor who if they stopped making it you know uh next year they can continue filling in these gaps with all these other adventures and that the show could live on uh, without being on tv like it did before um and but they could actually play a part in in creating those avenues um, rather than trying to slip things in in between. Uh, it, it, nice small cast, uh, which made my job a whole lot easier this week. Uh, but it's nice. It's, it, it's good to see just this, this tiny little uh, contained episode. When you think about it, they're in, in the house, just in the grounds outside the house, and really still on the grounds outside the house, but in a... Yeah, uh, a pocket universe. There you go. I had to remember the right phraseology so the doctor wouldn't tell me off. Um, but it's nice, nice, nice and contained. I mean, last week's just contained, but you know, it's one of those ones where everybody gets knocked off every five minutes. Um, but yeah, I'm just really enjoying myself. Uh, these are good stories. I mean, this. I mean, when you pull back and look at this, it's not really all that much. Uh, when you just break it down, it's like there's two people investigating this occurrence, which I think is a ghost. Doctor comes along and says, oh, no, it's not a ghost. It's somebody trapped in time uh, in a pocket universe. And they save her, and then they save the two monsters. Uh, but it's really cool. It's a nice little adventure. And uh, I think, I'm not sure who it was that said it, but f for once, the planet isn't at stake. The universe isn't at stake. The galaxy's not at stake. Uh, you know, uh, it's just this house and, and, and Hilla. You know, those, that's, you know, Hilla's actually the only person at stake in the two, you know, the creatures. Uh, there's no real life-threatening things apart from the, the, the situation the Doctor puts himself in. Um, yes, there's some scientific issues. The big one for me was the camera. Uh, you know, the Doctor's in a, you know, protective suit uh but he's carrying around a camera from you know the 1970s which definitely wasn't built to 
withstand those kind of temperatures. Uh, so, you know, it probably have melted the film as soon as he walked out the door, but hey, it's Doctor Who. It's not real science. Um, and there are other, it is a, a niggle, of course, when, uh, when Clara takes the TARDIS into the um, pocket universe. Now, they do open the portal before she leaves. So I'm assuming, this is how I'm figuring out my own head, that, that since they've already created the portal between the universes, that um, that uh, once the connection's established, uh, it kind of powers itself. You don't need to have the, the, the power coming through the subset of the Eye of Harmony anymore. Because that's the only way I could explain it. Because when you think about it, if the TARDIS dematerializes, the, then the connection is gone. Uh, but who knows how much power the uh, subset of the Eye of Harmony can contain, or what its actual purpose is, or, or whether she was just doing this on her own. Maybe the TARDIS wasn't doing anything. Maybe it was all just smoke and mirrors. But anyway, uh, that's how you can get out of it <laughs> without having to worry about science. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a great episode, and uh, uh, I I I wonder whether we'll see more of the relationship between uh, Clara and the, the TARDIS next week, with it um, taking place very much inside. Uh, but that's about it. I don't have a huge wrap up because it's just fun. It's just a fun episode uh, that really kind of. I think my, 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 my first thought when I was thinking of like what I would say for a review on Sunday was uh, the only thing that this was missing was, was a proper intro at the beginning with, you know, the doctor and companion arriving and discovering the house or whatever, or doing whatever it is they do. Because of time constraints, you got to leap right in. And that's, you know, we've got this, they knock on the door and there they are. Um, it, it, but, this really made me feel like you could have serialized this. We could have had this over, you know, three or four weeks. We could have made a four-parter out of this um, with a bit more atmosphere and a bit more exploring rooms and stuff. It, it really felt like uh, a you know, episode of uh, Classic Who to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, if, if, if uh, Mike will... Um, you know, manifest himself. Ooh, ooh <laughs> in public too. In public. <laughs> well, go on then. Where's your review? Put the balloons down. <laughs> oh, here he is. Hello, everyone. Randall Thor here, and I, I, I just found myself in a pocket dimension. I'm not exactly sure how. I heard the word metabolus, metabolus, meta. Metabolus, <laughs> however it's pronounced, Metabolus. I've heard I heard that pronounced, and then I just suddenly found myself in this forest. But uh, I found this old house here, and I've taken shelter inside so I can record my review, record my thoughts on this week's episode of Doctor Who, Hide. Uh, so looking over this episode, this episode was Neil Cross's. Uh, well, I'll just say this was. You heard a car horn, maybe. I don't know. Let's just move on. <laughs> it's ruining up my... Anyway. This episode was written by Neil Cross. This was actually the original story that Neil Cross had written. This was his first story that he that he wrote 
when 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 Stephen Moffat brought him in to write for the show. Of course, we've previously seen, we've already seen The Rings of Akatan, which was the second story. Uh, Neil Cross had written this one. This was the one that he was more interested in writing. This is the one he was more invested in, the one he was more focused in, the one that he spent more time and effort writing and making into a good story. It just so happens that this story was scheduled later in in the uh, airing schedule, later in the year, after The Rings of Akatan. So this episode, you know, comparing, of course, knowing that that this this episode and the Rings of Akatan are written by the by the same guy, there is that comparison. How does this episode compare with the Rings of Akatan, which was Rings of Akatan was Moffat's idea, from my understanding, and this episode Hyde was uh, Neil Cross's idea. So comparing the two, I do prefer this story, uh, Hyde. This episode does it, this one reason I like this episode so much is because it it this is an example of the flexibility of Doctor Who as a format showing that Doctor Who does not have to focus on one genre. You do have you know, a lot of people who see Doctor Who as a sci-fi series. It isn't a sci-fi series. Sci-fantasy maybe. But the thing with Doctor Who is that it doesn't—it doesn't remain in one constant genre. The, of course, the core idea, the core premise of the show is you have this humanoid alien who travels anywhere in time and space in a blue police box, usually always accompanied by a companion or an assistant. They—they uh, they go on adventures anywhere, anywhere, and. From one week to the next, you could have one one genre one week and something completely different the following week, which is what we have here. Uh, last week we had Cold War, which was the Ice Warrior story, which was you know uh, it was a, an adventure set on a Russian submarine in the in the North Arctic in 1983, and we had all of that going on. It was sort of a sci-fi base under siege story, and this week we have a paranormal haunted house ghost story. So an, an excellent example of how Doctor Who does not remain in one genre for very long. It could be anything, any genre, really. It's just whatever the writers want to come up with. And that's what we have here is Nils' idea of a ghost story. And it starts off as as a, as a really, really as a really intriguing ghost story. It's, it's resolved, of course, in, a, I guess, typical Doctor Who fashion in which it isn't a ghost. It's actually a time traveler trapped in a pocket dimension. And the, the TARDIS has to go and... Re- the, the, the TARDIS goes off on a rescue mission. I'll get to say more on that here in a bit. And Hilla as a character in a bit. So bookmark that. So we have that. We have some uh, some interesting guest characters, which uh, I'm sure Ian has mentioned previously in this. Uh, Jessica Rain and Doug Gray Scott in this episode. Uh, Ian's mentioned them, so I won't go over them again. Just to, to, to re- reiterate how neat it is that we have Jessica Rain in this episode, when she's also cast as Verdi Lambert in the uh, Adventure in Time and Space, or Adventure in Space and Time, the 50th anniversary documentary drama that we have later this year. So it's interesting 
having her cast in an actual episode of Doctor Who, and then the documentary drama later this year. So there is that. Doug Ray Scott, of course, playing the, his character rather rather well. Somebody mentioned on uh, the Cultum's uh, live show, I think, I think it may have been Kobo, mentioned that the whole persona that they were going after with the professor's character, with Doug Ray Scott's character, was sort of a, a Professor Quatermass character, which, um, to be honest, to be completely honest, I've never seen or heard anything Quatermass related. It was only, it was, it was only a couple of years ago that I noticed, oh wait, it's Quatermass and not Quarter Quatermass. My mind just automatically inserted that first R, but um. Uh, as, since I haven't seen that, I can't really say anything. It's just it it was a, it was a nice it was a nice character and the professor. I will go ahead and say the professor. Um, last week, David Warner played a, a professorial character, character known as the professor, and this is something I've seen going on in Moffat too, ever since the eleventh hour. This isn't a criticism. This is just sort of a, a thing that I've noticed. It's it's a, it's a nice thing, but. Uh, Ever since the 11th hour, going from one episode to the next, that following episode always seems to have a link back to the previous episode, be it some line of dialogue, be it some character, profession, or something going on in an episode that echoes back to the previous episode. You can go back to the 11th hour and watch through, and every episode will have a link back to the previous one, and the professor is our link this time linking back to david warner's character in cold war so the professor again uh, also on the Coltum live show there was some discussion there were some com complaints about uh, which war was he involved in okay this episode is set in 74 we're presuming his character to be late 40s uh, around 50 that would make him about 18 late teens during world war ii so that doesn't bother me so much. It, it provides some interesting backstory that provides a nice parallel for the Doctor. Of course, we get the scene in the, in the, in the we get the scene in the dark room where the Professor and the Doctor are talking to each other, and we get the whole line there where he he killed people in the war. He and he, he you know you you know what that what that does to a person, and the Doctor does know what that does to a person. Just you know, linking back to the time war. It was un completely unspoken here, but the, those of us who are reading this as longtime fans of the show who have been keeping up with it, we know all of this unspoken subtext with the Doctor, the, the, the Time War and his involvement, and the, being the, the last of the Time Lords, and all that that pertains to. So we have that. Um, this episode overall... It had some nice pacing to it. It was a, it was a nice ghost story. It was nice to get something like that in Doctor Who again, some scary ghost story. So is this why we're out here to uh, look at trees and tell spooky ghost stories? So we have that um, explained in very Doctor Who esque fashion. It's a it's a time traveler trapped in a in a pocket dimension that's about to collapse. There's before I get to that, though, I, I just want to reference the scene in the, in the TARDIS where the Doctor uh, takes pictures of Earth throughout its history from the beginning to the end. That whole scene there be between the Doctor and Clara where she realizes 
exactly what the doctor does. And this this is Clara learning more about the doctor. And last week we had the whole thing where uh, in Cold War we we had the Clara not trusting the doctor. And this week we have this whole thing where uh, where you know Clara's learning even more about that. At the end of that, uh, that's what I was referring to, to at the end at the end of Cold War, where the where Clara was realizing we, we had the whole bit with, with Clara and the Doctor. So we go around, we save the world. That's what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. This week, Clara learns some more about the Doctor. We have two scenes. We have the scene here in the TARDIS where Clara is realizing that you know the Doctor is a time traveler. He's a time lord. Uh, he he travels anywhere in time and space. And what does that mean? Means that you know, just a standard human life, 70, 80, 90 years or whatever, it's just a, it's just, it isn't that long of a time for the Doctor. The Doctor can jump anywhere in time and space throughout the, throughout the history of the universe. <laughs> it's what the Doctor does. It was, and it was very nicely acted there. And uh, the, the line from the Doctor, you are the greatest mystery, you are the, the, the most important mystery, that, 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 the, the, the mystery line. Was that referring to Clara as a character, or was that the Doctor talking about the human race overall? I would like to think it's the latter, but given Moffat and his story arcs, he was referring directly to Clara. But also, when Clara was mentioning how she is just a ghost to the Doctor, that's all she is, you, you can see the Doctor pause there and realize what she was saying, and you know Clara being the mystery that she is. Yeah, we have that going on. It was nice. Uh, of course, something that I'm thinking is going on here, just overall story arc-wise, I have no idea what's coming up in future episodes, so this isn't spoilery or anything. This is just me thinking. But we have Clara being led to not trust the Doctor. We have her being led to question who the Doctor is. In this episode, the, the psychic character, uh, Emma, she told Clara not to trust the doctor, that he had a sliver of ice in his heart. We had that line. Now here's what I'm thinking is going on with Moffat and his story arc that is going on. Of course, we we have held over from the previous seasons, from the, from the Pond era, the whole thing of the question and the silence. Silence will fall when the question is asked. And what is the question? The question is, well, Moffat being a troll... The question turned out to be Doctor Who, the title of the show, as a question. And what I'm thinking is going to happen is Clara is going to be the one to ask the question, Doctor Who. We have that, as I just said, we have this being built up. Clara not, not trusting the Doctor, being given reasons not to trust the Doctor. So eventually, presumably, presumably on the fields of Transalore... Uh, Clara will ask the question, and silence will fall, and all of that. But that's later on in the series. It's just we have tidbits. We have bits of that being being fed into the character. The sliver of ice, that whole line about the Doctor. Just further evidence as to my idea of what's going on. Now other bits and pieces of this episode, since I've been talking here for 12 and a half minutes. Uh, the time traveler, Hilla. Uh, she was one of the more forgettable forgettable uh, aspects of this episode. Sure, she was the ghost that they were tracking, 
But once we met the character, she was just sort of gone. She was a very flat character. Uh, very, very, very not remark, very unremarkable character. She was there. We had the bit about, oh, hey, she's apparently, apparently she's the, uh, the, their great, 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 whatever granddaughter of the, the professor and Emma. She's a descendant. Uh, ironically, <laughs> coincidentally, isn't it nice how that worked out, doctor? But uh, she was a very forgettable character because there wasn't room in the script for her, as as I see it. So she was pretty much the weakest part of the of the episode. So we, then we have the whole part about the, uh, the these two these two creatures that apparently are in love with each other, and that just sort of comes out of nowhere at the end of the episode. The Doctor realizes, wait a minute, there's a rom- there's a r- romantic angle there, and I think. All that was just there, so we could get we could get the line from the doctor. Every lonely monster needs a companion. I wonder. That's referencing the doctor. Yay. But uh, the actual romantic angle between those two creatures was just sort of, oh, that just came out of left field or whatever the the, the metaphor is. That came out of nowhere at the very end of the episode. It didn't make a lot of sense. Um. I never got that from the the doctor's brief encounters with the with that creature there in the pocket dimension in the forest. Never got that, but um, and of course a lot of people have made a lot about the doctor mispronouncing Metabolus, 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 the 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 planet from from uh, Planet of the Spiders, that blue planet. Uh. Some people have mentioned and made reference to the time of the angels, flesh and blood, or sorry, flesh and stone, with the, the the doctor without the tweed jacket coming back and that actually turning out to be a part of the story arc. Uh, I I would like to think there's something more to that, but I can't think of how there would be anything story arc related to Metabolus, to a, a mispronunciation of the name. I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, <laughs> as original series fans would say. I don't think there's much to it. It's just Matt Smith's choice on how to pronounce the word, I guess. And they just decided to keep it, rather than, oh, it's pronounced this way. If you don't say it this way, you will piss off a lot of fans, Matt. And you'll have a lot of fans thinking, oh, there's a secret agenda going on there. Uh, I don't think there's much to it. Anyway, but just wrapping up my review of this episode, since I've been going on for 16 minutes, did I enjoy this episode? I haven't even hinted at as to whether or not I've enjoyed this episode. I This was a fun episode. It was nice to see a ghost story. Overall, I did enjoy this. This is my... my this is what... Between Neil Cross's two scripts, this series, I prefer this one. This is my favorite of the two. Overall 2013 series, this is one of my favorite episodes. And this this series, this 2013 series has been very strong in terms of in terms of story, in terms of acting. It's been a very strong series. And I'm looking forward to seeing where we go from here. We have as I said, we're halfway through. We're four episodes in and we have four episodes left of this series. And uh, of course I won't say spoilers for next week's episode, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to next week's, especially given a certain screenshot, a certain 
uh, still from the episode that's been circulating around the internet, a certain prop that may or may not feature prominently in the episode, but either way, it's there in a still. Could be a red herring. But uh, anyway, Hyde, the title never made sense in the episode. I think the original, one of the working titles for the, for the episode, episode was Phantom of the Hex, which makes a bit more sense. We had that one line in the episode where the Doctor referred to the pocket universe as the Hex, and the Phantom could be either Hilla or the Creature. Um, so, just in conclusion, my thoughts on this episode... Very strong opening, very strong second half, very strong middle, but the resolution was weak. Uh, just this whole thing about the, the romantic angle between these two creatures just came out of nowhere. It's just the doctor pulling, you know, just a solution out of nowhere. And, of course, the whole thing with the TARDIS, oh, hey, the TARDIS can't survive that long, but it makes the trip twice. Uh Maybe there was some inc- incorrect calculation of the time. It was basing the time on our universe. You know, we, we had the time differential, uh, like, what, seconds in that universe would be thousands of years and hours. Maybe it was basing it on that somehow. I don't know. Um, verisimilitude. Willing suspension of disbelief. I will chalk that up, too. Um, we, had, uh, we had a couple of scenes of the TARDIS flying around, which we haven't had a lot of. Right. If I remember correctly, one of Ian's favorite scenes from the Davies era was the beginning of uh, the Christmas Invasion, where the TARDIS is flying around and crashes into buildings. Uh, so we have the TARDIS flying around. That was nice to see. But you now, overall, I did enjoy this episode. If I were to give it a... I don't really like doing number ratings, but I would, I would give it a 4 out of 5. Four TARDIS groans, or should I say, four displaced monsters out of five. And that will wrap up my 20-minute review. Wow. I, I really need to stop being so verbose uh, on these episodes. But, um, yeah, I, if this review was 20 minutes, imagine what my review for this weekend's episode is going to be. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for having me on, and I will pass this over to Ian and or Dave, whichever one of you wants to speak next. Rand out. Time for me to leave this house and get out of this pocket dimension. Yep, that works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Dave, that means it's your turn. Left without a ghost of a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it even more this second time. Um, last the week there's there, well, yeah. Last week, the submarine one, uh, I felt as though the story uh, started strong and I was really looking forward to it. I had a lot invested in it and then felt as though they'd slightly let me down with it. This one, uh, very similar, as you said, very quick entrance in it. You know, the Ghostbusters joke entrance. It was very um, clearly um, set up to be, you know, this is a ghost story. You know, remember when we first went back to Doctor Who coming back in 2005, 2006, 2007, quite often the second story in the series would be, you know, the historical one or the, uh, you know, the the Charles Dickens and Ghost one and things like that. So um, it was set up to be a ghost one. But, of course, it then turned quite rather nicely into science fiction, although, as you said, there was some bits and pieces you can qu- quibble with. But, I mean, to me, 
the, the two words that made it for me is the, he, the doctor used the words quantum foam. So I was happy bunny there because, uh, you know, some sort of scientific gobbledygook to explain this pocket universe and so on. Um, well, like strawberry again, jam. <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely. Um, the, the, there's no doubt about it. There's this agenda that um, they're touching on lots of old things i mean i saw a little bit of the third doctor's the time warrior the uh, the first sarah jane story where we get a strong introduction of a companion we get the you know the santaran apparently materializing in the unit headquarters and people disappearing um uh, we've got a, a little bit of uh, vincent the doctor with that creature appearing at the window um, very, very strong uh, actors uh, in this. Dune Ray Scott uh, and this Jessica Rain, absolutely great. And of course, as we know, said Jessica Rain's going to play um, uh, uh, Verity Lambert. Verity Lambert. See, thank you, prompt. Prompt. Uh, Verity Lambert in the uh, the 50th anniversary uh, drama documentary, as it were. But uh, there was that confusion and that problem about being able to go into that uh, pocket world twice and uh, after it being said by the doctor and reinforced by the task itself that that would be you know almost fatal to it because you remember we had the the doctor where we had that one time where the TARDIS was almost drained except for that one little little thing he blew on that one little solenoid that was left of the the power so we do know that the, you know, the TARDIS can be drained uh, almost to that limit. Right. Uh, I wish it had been set uh, earlier, t- a decade earlier. Uh, you can just about do the maths. If we assume that uh, the, the the doctor's coming up to, sorry, the you know, the professor is coming up to 50, uh, and that actress, although she looks younger, I think all young ladies don't listen to this because it's not true, but she's supposed to be there, I would think, about 28, i.e. a maid. You know, she's too old to get married now. She's 28 and a maid and she's running out of chances because <laughs> in those days you got married by the time you're 20, 22, 23. So she's thinking, you know, this is my chance for love. Um, uh, and I don't think there's that too much of an age difference in, in, in her betrayal and his. But... Um, I think that would have been more the 60s. If he was coming up to 50, and this is 1973, 74, he could have just been, uh, you know, in the the, the code-breaking Bletchley house, at, you know, age 19 or 20, you know, picked up because of his intelligent work and so on. I think it would have worked a little bit better earlier. But the thing is, because I enjoyed the episode so much, I didn't do the nitpicking that I did a little bit with the, the rings episode where I wasn't quite getting it and therefore once you start to drift then you start to and that's wrong and uh, and I don't like that and why did they do that when you're going along and there's such strong acting I mean blown out the water that that is um, General Louise Coleman's first you know on I mean she's virtually nailed a character from from her perspective in the first story she appears with, having right. said that, you know she had to raise a game. One would have thought with 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 a cast like that to work with. Um, so that was brilliant. Now my little synopsis, my little theory, uh, I start, started to lose a little bit of faith with the story when we saw this bag of bones creatures. You know, I was thinking Lazarus experiment and so on. But 
to my mind, what would have worked better, and and this is not a spoiler because I don't know whether this bleeds into next week's episode, because, of course, this episode ends with the Doctor presumably taking this creature and its mate off to some world where, you know, away from humanity where they can live. Right. Uh, so whether they turn up in the next episode or not is because this girl is a time traveller that they were two earlier time travellers where the experiment had gone wrong, that the time travel experiment had actually created this pocket universe. But in doing so, um, a little bit like, um, you know, um, on Star Trek, you know, the... Um, the, the transporter had malfunctioned and instead of arriving there as humans, all their bones had been rejigged and rearranged and and they were basically humans but so disfigured one barely made it back which is the creature in the house the other was marooned their, their love and their link is creating the psychic link which the young girl is picking up on um, and of course, then the second time traveller gets caught in this. Think of it as amber. Uh, think of this Pubble universe as a, a lump of amber that they've been trapped in, uh, ever so slowly moving. You know, millions of years are going by. They're barely moving at all. To me, that would have just put the you know the little bit of a shine on the story. Um, whether it, whether any of the fact that we learn any more about them in the next episode, that they were in fact also time travels rather than these sort of weirdly um, thought of creatures. Um, not really convinced if they are just, uh, you know, what they call them, a crooked man. I don't like that. If they are humans that have been absolutely transmogrified right. uh, by some experiment, I would like that a lot more. But all in all, loved it. Um, I know some people didn't think the Murray Gold was on top form, but I think it was pretty good. I mean, I'm a little bit with you. Uh, sometimes the, the, the music can overpower the dialogue somewhat right. for me. Um, but I thought it was great, and I thought the all the sound effects and the atmospherics were really good. And I'm, I'm almost thinking... Of the four episodes we have, this is my favourite of the four up to now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know you like you like the ring ones better, didn't right. you? Yeah, I did. I, did. I thought that was really good. But everything's been good. It's it's you know, I feel like I find myself in an odd situation. It's just this swing back between, uh, you know, it, it's it definitely a, there's a difference in this in this half of uh, of the series that we didn't have and i don't know if it's the difference of, of you know throwing off the baggage of the ponds that all that's done and now we're um and now we're you know off on a different kind of adventure or what you know is it stephen moffat rejigging things and and finding a different footing i don't know but i'm i'm really enjoying it and uh it makes me every, every week that goes by i look forward to doctor who a little more again than than i have but so uh Roll on, you know, the next episode. Well, you don't know what to expect week from week. That's the I know, point. I know, but that's that's the good thing. Is like now it's kind of like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> now 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 I've like three episodes. Like, what's the next one going to be like? You know, plus it's inside the TARDIS. Wow. Yep. So yes, until next time, uh, when we will be 
journeying to the center of the TARDIS. We're talking to the talk of it anyway. <laughs> it's goodbye for Mr. Randall Thor. It's goodbye for Mr. Dave AC. I think he was gesturing to you then. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. I'll tell his mummy did that. Goodbye, everybody. I mean, who are you going to call? Wine delivery man. Ghostbusters. Wine delivery man. Boom, boom. Oh, no, that's the wrong, wrong show. <laughs>